Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, August 11th, 2019, we bring you a special Vision Sunday message from Bob Wade titled, Our Next Step. Enjoy. This morning, we're going to take a one-week break from our Genesis series to talk a little bit about our vision as a church. Um, Over the last year, you know, we've made some changes. Maybe you've noticed some of those things. We've changed a little bit about how we use our staff. We've changed our programming just a little bit, and you might be asking why. Well, it goes back to a little bit over a year ago, we, some of the pastors, I can't just say me, but some of the pastors together, we sort of felt like we were just not hitting on all cylinders. We were a little unfocused. There was more that we could do. There's more that we should do. And so we enlisted the help of an organization, an outside organization to come in and give us a a different set of eyes to sort of fairly evaluate who we really are as a church and were we doing the things that we said we should be doing and really intended and were supposed to be about. And so they came in and they do a series of surveys and looking at the data and doing some testings and and those really, really uncomfortable secret shopper moments that they kept coming in as, as brand new people and they would find out that maybe we were friendly or weren't friendly or were we making, were we clear on this? Were we actually helping people figure out how to get into uh, some kind of a group to grow? They did all of that stuff on us. And what we discovered was what a few of us were, were feeling is that we weren't very intentional. That if we continue to keep doing the things that we we're presently doing at that time that we would miss out on becoming the church that God wanted us to be, that we were good at events, but we weren't necessarily good at spiritual growth. And I gotta be honest with you, that was not okay with us as a church. We believe God has done a lot of great things here at Highlands. Gospel's gone out, a lot of people have responded to the gospel, a lot of people have grown, but we believe that God wants more to happen. He wants to grow us and stretch us. And so that caused us to go back to the beginning. I mean, literally, we started asking simple questions like, why do we exist as a church? That's a pretty important question. I mean, if we just closed up our doors and didn't exist after this, would anything be missing in our community? And then we started you know, looking and saying, well, okay, are we aligned to accomplish our mission successfully? Is it the right mission? Do we take the budget that's been so faithfully entrusted to us by this congregation and, and are we using the budget the most effective way to, to preach the gospel and to help people grow in, in discipleship? And do we have our staff in the right spots? I mean, are we using everybody effectively to, their, to the max? You know, one of the things that we realized at that point too was, and a really strong feeling about all this was, is as we looked at our staff, we started realizing that we wanted to be less autonomous and competitive and more focused and cooperative as a team. And so we took every single person on our staff, all these different departments that were out there, and we put them together into four teams. Four teams. We have a Sunday morning team that meets here that we call weekend services. Every single thing that happens within inside this whole building here is under weekend services. And then we have a family ministry team that does everything from birth through the graduation of high school. And then we have our next steps team 
which really focuses on helping people grow spiritually. This is where our small groups are at and men's ministry, women's ministry, discipleship, care and counseling, outreach, all of it happens there. And then finally, we have our operations team. And that is, if they start off with, first of all, taking care of our whole campus, and by the way, the campus is looking pretty good. I gotta believe, okay? It's looking really good. In fact, it's looking pretty good in here too, right? They take care of our office, they take care of our data, our safety, and their primary goal is to help the other three teams succeed. Now, we form those teams to help us accomplish our mission. Our mission as a church is probably the most familiar thing that you will ever see around here. I mean, you see it everywhere. Love God, love people, make disciples. Now, I will tell you that that is something that we believe was decided on by Jesus. It's not decided on by a group of people. We don't get men and women together and go, hey, what's a really cutesy phrase that we can use to tell us about what the church should be about? That is not the way it works. We literally stop, sit down, and said, listen, what is it that the Bible tells us we ought to be about? And so, first of all, we went to Matthew chapter 22. So we went back and looked at Matthew 22, the verses 34 through 40, and it says this, but when the Pharisees heard uh, that, that he had silenced the Sadducees, he being Jesus, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love your God, the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Let me give you a quick little Bible lesson on this one. When it says law and the prophets, that means all of the Old Testament. Okay. So everything is predicated on loving God and loving people. Now, for a lot of years, that was our entire mission statement. But what we couldn't get around was that idea of being intentional. What are you doing intentionally? And so we looked at Matthew chapter 28. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20, you see the last words of Jesus here as he's looking at this group of disciples here before he goes up to sit at the right hand of the Father. He says this, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so what we realized is, if you took the first part of that, you know, those first verses from Matthew 22, the love God and love people, and you put that together with the great, you know, commission, you know, of going and making disciples, there you have the mission of the church. That's who we want to be as a church. So I'm going to be honest with you, that's settled. We're not going to debate that one, okay? That one's settled. Now, what is not settled, though, after that was our vision. How do you live it out? How do you take statements like that and actually make them work and give them feet within a group of people? And this is where it gets very personal. Because, see, the truth is we're all pursuing some vision, I mean, if I could go around right now and, you know, I mean, of course, no one wants to actually admit to this, but every single one of us have a vision for how we think think things should work in life. Many of us have a vision for what we want for our families. Others have a vision that maybe, you know, society has told us this should be your vision. And so we go, oh, that's what I should do. You know, I should have this much money in the bank and then I should retire and we want to have a second house on the beach or in the mountains or this is what, you know, that's the vision I'm supposed to have for life. Well, I want to be honest with you. What we really hope is that the vision will be biblical. 
What is the vision that God has for every life? Now, this is where the struggle lies here for every single believer. We live in America. I can't speak for every single nation of the world right now, but I can tell you that living in America, we love our freedom. We love our rights. We love to be able to say and do and go where we want to. If I want to move to a new town, I want to quit my job, I've got the right to do all those things. And we tend to translate that over into every area of our life. I should have the right to dream all my own dreams and to pursue what I think is good and what's best and not pursue what I should not do. And you know what I would tell you? You're absolutely right until you come to faith in Jesus Christ. I remember specifically, I was 14 years old. I was at Hume Lake Christian Camp. And I got down on my knees, and this was my prayer. God, would you forgive me? Would you come into my life and take control of me? I give you my life. Live inside of me. Do what you want with me. You know what my prayer wasn't? God, would you forgive my sin? Would you give me heaven? And then just answer every single prayer, make life really fun and easy for me, and, and you know, just you know, let it all be about me. Let the sun shine every day on me. That's not the prayer. That's not the prayer that we, we have at moments like that. We stop and we come before the Lord because see, at the cross, those of us that have become a Christian, we really, at that time, we stop and we, we lay our allegiance down before the Lord. We lose the right to have all the, the rights to choose what we're going to do with our lives. We come to the place where we're asking God to be in control. First Corinthians chapter six, verses 19 and 20, Paul makes this so clear. He says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. And as a result of that, glorify God in your body. When I came to faith, I was purchased that day. Now my dreams ought to take second place to God's dreams. The moment that I believed, what God did was God started recreating his purposes into my heart. That's why we change. I'll never forget, I mean, again, I was 14 years old and I started thinking to myself, and this is crazy, I started thinking, I should go to church. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. It's a bunch of old people singing 200-year-old songs. They dress kind of weird. I don't know any of them. And you, you know what was going on in my life? You're supposed to be there. That's where your family's at. That's what the church is. And it's a supernatural thing that God calls us to. I mean, does it have to fit every single, it's not a youth group, it's a church. It's special. God began to recreate that in my heart that I knew I was supposed to be there. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10, takes it even a step further. He says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In other words, I first began to realize at that point in life, after I'd become a Christian, after I'd prayed, that God had created me from the very beginning to serve him to make my life count. With new birth spiritually, that's what happens. We become new creatures in Christ. 
Now we realize that we are a product of God's vision for our life. It's God who decides what we should and could be all about, and there are no exceptions. Remember I said this was a struggle. You see, the struggle here is that God's vision for our life is completed in our obedience to him. God's vision for our life is completed in our obedience to him. You know what that means? It means that you and I need to say, yes, Lord, yes. Whatever it is you want from me, yes. We are to pursue his plans for our lives. That's what the scriptures tell us. Philippians chapter two, verse 13 tells us here. Again, Paul's speaking, he says, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Again, one of the the wrong things that we've learned in Christianity is, oh, it's God is at work to get me into heaven. No, God is at work to fulfill his will. We get to be a part of it. his good pleasure, not ours. Matthew chapter six, verse 33. Jesus, again, is is talking to some of the disciples, but he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. What that tells me is, is that God's plans should never take backseat to my plans, ever. So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. Before we go any further, before we jump into the vision, would you just do me a favor right where you're at? Would you stop and close your eyes and would you pray to yourself silently? And I'm gonna ask you to do this. Would you just simply ask God, God, would you make me open? Lord, would you make me open to what you want? Father, would you use this moment to corral our hearts, to pull it away from the influences of the world and maybe even the dreams that we've had aside from you and to bring it back to the place where we honor you with every choice we make. God, speak to us right now in Jesus' name, amen. All right, our vision statement. Our vision statement is very, very clear. In fact, we're gonna put it up here on the, on the wall so you can see it here. Here's our vision. To encourage everyone's next step towards Jesus Christ, help families grow together in faith, and actively serve our community. Now, let me tell you what this really amounts to. This is a five-year vision that breaks into three parts, and let me just define this for you. The three parts are very simple. There's a you part, there's an us part, and then there's a them part. The you part here is very important because when we say you, we mean every single one of us as an individual. This is personal. That's what that means. Us means who we are as a church family. Them are people that are outside of the walls of the church, people that we live around, work around, family, friends, people that we want to encourage, we want to minister to, we want to challenge, whatever the case may be, we want all of it. Now, the first part of the vision here is to encourage everyone's step towards, next step towards Jesus Christ. Now, why are we asking you to take a next step? Well, because we believe God wants you to grow. 
We believe God wants you to develop in your faith. Become who you were saved to be. Not rest on some past glory that said, well, there was a time when I had you know, this much of the Bible memorized or I was involved in, in this time of the group. It's not okay to be in, in neutral spiritually. That never goes anywhere. So many believers today, again, have bought into the lie and it's, it's an absolute lie that the goal of this life is to get into heaven. That is not the goal of this life. The goal of this life as a Christian is for you to become who God has created you to be. As an individual, within a family of people, be who God has intended you to be and that is a disciple and ultimately a disciple maker. And so here's what we've decided to do. We've put together a simple four-part path to discipleship, a four-part path to discipleship. You're gonna see there, there's some spots there in, in your notes that we want you to simply decide where it is you fit. And then we're looking for you to see what is your next step. Okay, here's the first part. First part is attend church. Now that probably sounds a little bit like, duh, I get it, Bob, we're all sitting in church here. No, 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 I don't mean just attend church because so many people in America today, they come every third, fourth, fifth, sixth week to church. That's really not attending church. When we say attend church, we mean be regular in, in attendance, be faithful in attendance. Now we understand that people are busy. This is a busy world and, and this is certainly a busy part of the country, but we also know that busy people make choices. This is a good choice. We know that if you come to church that you'll participate in worship like you did this morning and God's heart will be, will be encouraged and you will be encouraged and challenged. We know that you'll listen to the teaching of God's word and you'll grow. And for many of you, you'll respond in faith to the message of the gospel. For example, this year alone, we've had 320 people respond to the gospel here at Highlands Church. That's a lot of people, okay? We know that if, if you come and get involved, that you're gonna, you're gonna look towards you know, declaring your faith publicly, and so many of you will wanna get baptized. Well, 132 people have been baptized here since January 1st. We think that's pretty significant, and that's pretty important. We believe that you're gonna begin to give sacrificially that you, your family will be affected, your marriages will be affected, that your priorities will change. You'll bring somebody with you to hear a gospel message. You'll do exactly what Jesus said in Matthew 6, You'll seek first the kingdom. Now, there's a second part of that. If you say, hey, look, bah, okay, I'm, I'm in. I'm here on a real regular basis. We come to church on a regular basis. So what's the next thing you're asking, for, okay? Well, the next step is connect into a group. And we, by that we mean a small group. Why? Because a small group is a place to know and be known. Now let me tell you why that's really important. Because you know somewhere along the line, something's going to happen to you. Uh, a tragedy, you get sick, you get the bad news from the doctor, uh, something, you lose a job, you, you're not connected with other people, something happens. Who knows about that? Who can walk with you through that? See, a small group will become a group of people that will walk with you through a difficult moment of life, that will pray for you. Now, let, let's be honest. Are they all gonna be perfect? No. Have you looked in the mirror lately? I mean, we're all messy people, right? 
None of us are perfect. But it's a collection of people that come together that God just seems to, to bless. So it's being known and, and knowing other people, but it's also a place to serve and to be served. See, when you get into a, a small group, it gives you a chance to, to use your spiritual gifts to teach and to be taught, to encourage and be encouraged, to, to help and to be helped. We're full bore into this. Last year, we had 90 small groups. Right now, we haven't even started yet, and Brendan just mentioned the fact that we're just getting people signed up. We already have 115 to 120 groups. We're we're buying into this, folks. We want you to take your next step and get into a small group. Now, if you look and you say, okay, Bob, look, I, I get it. I come to church, I'm in a small group. What's the next step for me? The next step is serve others. Serve others. Let me, let me be real, I mean, the Bible's really, really clear about this. In, Matthew, excuse me, in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, Jesus says these words. He says, not even the Son of Man, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, let me say that one more time. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Got that? Now, take your Bible. I want you to turn over to John chapter 13. John 13. Look at verse 16. Now, just to make sure that we've all got this together, okay? Mark 10, 45 says, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, okay? That's our king, that's our master. That's our Lord, right? John chapter 13, verse 16, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master. Wait, look up for a second. Are you a servant of the master, of the king? Do we follow Jesus? Yeah, we do. He's the king. He's the master. We're the servant. We are not greater than him. If he came to serve, how is it possible that you and I could go, I'm not doing that. Let somebody else do it. It doesn't work like that. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10, remember it told us that we were created to serve. And there are always opportunities within the church, especially with our children. I mean, one of the most important things we can do is pass on faith to the next generation. We need people to step up and be able to help and to come alongside the teachers and the families and all of that there. Listen, right now at Highlands Church, we have about 550 people that are serving on a regular basis. That's a good number of people. We actually have about 200 to 210 people that serve every Sunday morning. And here's my answer to that. That's not nearly good enough. You know why? Because as long as there's one person within the church, within the fellowship, that misses the fact that the Savior came to serve and we're not greater than the Savior that we need to serve too, then we're not doing our job. All of us are called to serve. All of us are are called to take our place within the body and, and help out. So you say, okay, all right, I got it. I come to church, I'm in a small group, I'm serving. The next thing is make disciples. That's the fourth thing, make disciples. 
Well, how do you do that? By intentionally building into someone else's life. By being intentional. By the way, if you're gonna make disciples, they'd have to start off by first being a disciple. Right now, we have about 110 adults that are being discipled. That means there are about 200 people in a discipleship relationship, and we are completely convinced that their lives have probably already been completely changed, but are on the road to be completely changed. You know what that does to a person and then ultimately does to a church? It's an amazing thing. Now, that's all part of the first part of the vision. Here's the second part of the vision. That is the us part. That is helping families grow together in faith. This past year, we made a decision that we wanted every single person within the family to be looking at and studying the exact same things. That meant we wanted our children and our students and our adults all talking about the same things to allow families to have conversations to take place to talk about deepening our faith and walking and living in obedience. I gotta be honest with you, that's not easy to do to write a lesson that fits all the way for our children and it also fits for you. But we're doing it. Because we want those families to have that, that type of, we want all your families to be able to, to grow from that. And by the way, when we're done with this and we go into our Advent series in December, we'll do it again. And when we get into 2020 and we start our series on the teachings of Jesus, we'll do it again because we want you to have that experience of being able to talk about faith. Part of that decision was, is not only do we wanna talk about all the same things, but we also wanna be able to worship together. It's one of the reasons why, you know, we want our students involved in worship with the whole church. So it's one of the reasons why when you look up on stage, you now see students as a part of our worship team because they make up a part of our church. Yes. It's not gonna change. We're not gonna have like two different groups. I'm not gonna have a group and go, oh, well, if you want that kind of worship, you gotta go here. No, we're gonna worship together. Amen. There's a third part of our vision, and that is the others part. And that is actively serving our community. And, I just, and I'm not gonna spend a long time with this, but let me just give you a list of some of our local ministry partners that we partner with every single week. Phoenix Rescue Mission, House of Hope, House of Refuge, Mending the Soul, which is our groups made up for, for victims of abuse, Special Needs, Christian Family Care, Feed My Starving Children, Raining Grace Ranch, Choices Pregnancy Center, Foothills Food Bank, Brookdale Senior Center, Habitat for Humanity. I mean, the, the opportunities keep going. These are places that people in Highlands are currently serving. We are out to make a difference on those that are outside of the walls of the church to let them know that Jesus lives beyond this place. And by the way, it's not just locally. Highlands is also involved in global missions projects. We've had 150 people go outside of the country this year on missions trips. 700 people that got prayed for. We had 300 people that responded to the gospel. This is our vision. A vision calls for change in our lives. It implies movement in our lives that I need to grow. And I want you to understand something. What we're asking of you is to say yes. Yes. 
Yes to growing spiritually, personally. Yes to, to participating within the vision inside of the whole body and helping the body grow. Yes to supporting this financially. I want to challenge you and encourage you. It is entirely possible for you to live a very decent life, focus in on you and your family only, but if you do that, you will miss who God wants you to be. You will miss what God is doing. You will miss that amazing moment when God changes your life forever. If you've ever been to Haiti and you've been on one of those trips where we go into a little village and feed these, these people and you walk in and there's a, there's a little child that has a full belly and we get a chance to feed them. It's life-changing. I watch adults have to walk out of the building and go out and cry in the car for 15 minutes because they're so shook up that their life made, it, made a difference. Or have somebody that walks up to the front and someone is just there to greet them and pray with them because we have no idea what they're going through. Maybe their lives are completely falling apart, but, they, but you had a chance to pray with them and talk with them and you arranged to, to stop and get together. These moments of life are they're beyond valuable. You don't want to miss out on that stuff. Listen, the challenge will be is your current schedule and your priorities will cause you to look very simply and very likely to go, you know what, that's really, really good. I think I'll do that later. Let me encourage you with something. In Matthew chapter eight, if you got your Bible, turn over to this, Matthew chapter eight. Jesus is going to encourage some people who say they want to follow him to actually follow him. I love how the little, the little uh, rendering at the top here of the, uh, the verses here, it tells you what it's all about. It says the cost of following Jesus. He says, starts off in verse 18 here and he says, now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side and the scribes came up and said to him, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, follow me. Leave the dead to bury the dead. You know what's interesting there is there will always be people who say, I will, but then they won't. There are always people who are willing to make an excuse. And I gotta be honest with you. As I start thinking this thing through personally for me, I, I start asking is there any excuse I can tell the Lord later? You ever heard the term FOMO? Fear of missing out? You know what you miss out on when you don't live in obedience to the Lord? You miss out on the worship that is just so amazingly true and pure and right. You miss out on, on that growth that God just raises up inside of you and takes you to another level completely. You miss out on the service of being able to, to hand somebody the keys to a brand new home down in one of the, the ghetto areas of, of Rocky Point because we had a chance to go down with a home build with 25 people and build a home. It's one of the most amazing things you could ever happen. You miss that. 
You miss the fulfillment of living on purpose. You miss the adventure of God doing something greater than you could possibly ever imagine. You miss the opportunity to stand before God at that last moment when he looks at us and he says, good job. Good job. We don't want to miss that. I don't want you to miss that. I'm going to ask the worship team if they'll come and join me. Because we're going to do one more song. And as they come, I want to encourage you to uh, just stay seated for now. You'll get a chance to, to stand and worship in a minute. But if you just stay seated for a minute, I, I'm going to ask you to do something very similar to what we do when we take communion. I'm going to ask you to be a little reflective for a few minutes. You see, there's a card that's in your bulletin that looks like this. Very simple card. It says, take your next step, and then there are four boxes down here below. If you don't have one of these, could I encourage you just to, if you just slip your hand up, there'll be somebody in your area will give you one of these cards quickly, okay? Great, can you, if you can get one of those, that'd be great. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you, as we begin to sing, I want you simply to fill this card out, which means you're gonna need to give us your information, and then all we're asking you to do is take your next step. Decide where you're at, figure out, be in all honesty, figure out where you're at, but then what is your next step? For example, if you say, look, I, I'm pretty new here, um, I haven't been a lot, I haven't probably been super regular, well, you know what your next step is? Attend church faithfully. Just start coming. Let God speak to you. Let the worship you know, get to you and, and let that be a good thing. But if you say, I, I'm there already. I come to church pretty regularly. Okay, you know what? It's time for you to connect into a small group. This is the time. Well, I've done that. Okay, well, then maybe you need to start serving or maybe you need to get into discipleship. Here's the thing. If you're here for the first time and you're just checking us out, listen, We'd love for you to take your next step with us, but please do not feel the pressure to have to do any of that. It's perfectly okay to come check us out. This is for the people that call us their home. And so as we stop and we begin to worship together, would you, right where you're at, would you take a moment, reflect on this carefully, so that when we end the service, you're gonna go back out and there are boxes back in the back. You can drop it in the boxes there but we want you to take your next step to becoming who God wants you to be. Over the next five years, our goal is to have 10,000 first-time visitors come to Highlands Church. You know what that means for us? It means we need to be a friendly people. We need to be an easy place to come and be with because we're just a loving people. We want to share the gospel with 20,000 of your friends. We want to celebrate a thousand people publicly declaring their faith in baptism. We want to see 2,000 people get into a discipleship relationship in five years. But here's the thing it all begins with you. It's each person just taking their next step of faith. That's how a church grows. This is how the church becomes who we want to be is take your next step. And so we're gonna finish off the course together, but would you do this? Fill this out and drop it in the box when you exit together and let God do something great in your life.